uh, now that I have my microphone on, thank you. Uh, as we gather in this time, we're going to begin uh, uh, a series today, a series that I always promise you I will do, and that is we're going to talk about money at the beginning of the year. Now, I know I'm reading some of your minds. You're thinking, great, first the Jaguars lose, and then I come to church and the preacher's talking about money, so this is great. But uh, I hope you won't find it too painful, but this is a commitment that I make to you, and I think it's something we need to do, think together as a church family about. So we're going to do that this year. First Timothy chapter 6 will be our starting point this morning. First Timothy chapter 6, we welcome those of you who are uh, here in the sanctuary this morning. We welcome those of you in Building A, those online, those uh, who are listening on Jack's Country this morning. So we're glad that you are with us today. And uh, if you are here for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're with us also. You know, one of the comments that I often hear about, about us is, is Fruit Cove is a really generous church, and, and you are, we are. Uh, when you step back and look at the panorama of ministries we support or we've started, the, the local ministries, the global partnerships. I heard from some of those this morning, already early this morning. And, and uh, you know, when you think about that, it, it's really outsized to the size church we are. We're really not a huge church. Uh, you know, they call us a mega church, but we're really, I don't feel that's really a, a true description of us. But at any rate, um, you know, we had a great ministry yesterday. Yesterday, we had 77 people present for a five-hour training session for caregivers at the Cove. And, and many people in our community who are not our church people came to that session. And, and that's what you're a part of. That's what, part of what you make happen, and you help that happen. And, and it's true. You're very generous. Many of you give faithfully and sacrificially of your time and your money and your energy to make things happen here at this church. And uh, this year has been no exception. You give as the Lord has prospered you, as we are taught to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And that's generosity at its best. I, I want to use the word generous and generosity a lot today. I want you to hear that over and over again. Uh, we, we've had a good year, really. This, this year's been a little more difficult than some just because of the, the world economy, the national economy, and that hits all of us. And um, but we've still launched into some new local ministry efforts. One of those will be introduced next Sunday. And, and you know, you're taking care of things here on campus. Things are, things are going well. We proposed the largest budget in our history in 2022. And kind of depending on how you hold your head when you look at the numbers, we, we hit it. We were actually $200,000 under what we subscribed, but we underspent. So we're actually in, in a good place. Uh, and that's with a $5 million-plus budget. So we, we made it over the line. We had no debt. That's a wonderful thing, too. So all in all, I like, I like to start a series this way to tell you I'm not begging for money. Now, I'm not above begging for money. Uh, and, and some of you know, you know, that's, I mean, I, I have a spiritual gift of begging. That's part of what I do, and, and I do not apologize for that. But that's not what I'm doing this morning. This is not trying to extract more money from you so we can get bills paid and, and, uh, or pay for some ministry that we took up that we couldn't afford. 
but it, but it gives me the freedom to do what you have always allowed me to do for 30 now plus years here. And that is just teach you what the Bible says about stewardship, not beg you for money. I feel bad for churches where the pastor has to stand up and say, please give more, please give, please give, please give. I, I, I've, never had, I've never had to do that here. And I'm very grateful for that, and I'm grateful that I can say that again this morning. Uh, but all that being said, it's still important for us to hear the truth about money from God's Word. It's important for us as Christians to understand this and to hang on to this. A lot of what I'm saying today is reinforcement of what you already know. Some of you, this is news. Some of you have never heard it. Some of you have heard it, but you haven't yet trusted it, and therefore you haven't obeyed it. So we have kind of a, a, a scale of people in different places in this issue. Uh, but there's a reason that Jesus taught about money more than any other single subject, more than heaven, more than hell, more than prayer. He taught about how do we relate to money. And what we hear over and over again is the Bible wants us to give, but to give joyfully, generously and joyfully. So I don't want to miss the joyful part. I know you don't either. So we'll be talking a little bit about that as we go along in the next couple of weeks. But I'm telling you ahead of time, the next three weeks at least, we'll be talking about money. I don't think we're going to go beyond three, but three weeks. So that avoids you, you know, finally getting that person you've never been able to come to church with you. Oh, they said, okay, I'll come. And then you show up and the preacher's preaching about money. You know how that goes. So I'm trying to help you miss that, that kind of moment if you, if you just know, you know ahead of time this is what's going to happen. So. But let me read from 1 Timothy. Hopefully you found it by now. Chapter 6. Look on the screen if you have not. Beginning in verse 6. But godliness with contentment. Everybody say contentment just so I know you're with me. Okay. Now say it like you would be happy to be contented. Say contentment. Okay. You're saying it like contentment. Okay, contentment. It's, ha it's a happy thing. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we, can, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Or actually, that's plural. Evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Let's pray for just a moment again. Father, I, I ask that you will give uh, give me the ability to disappear right now. Because these good folks did not come here today to hear a preacher. We all hopefully have come here today because we want to meet you. We want to encounter you, Lord. And uh, I pray that you will help my words to disappear, that these, these words that are spoken 
may be heard as your words, as your word. And uh, hide me, Lord, behind the cross so that we might see Jesus together as we have sung of him and worshiped him this morning. And we bring our concerns, we bring our anxieties, we bring our fears, we bring our disappointments, we bring our questions. And yes, Father, we even bring our doubts to you today. Meet us here in the power of your Holy Spirit that you may be glorified in us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so let's talk for just a moment about the foundations of contentment. How do we become contented? Some of you are, and, and that's wonderful. Some of you are still looking for it. It's still out there. It's something that maybe you, you, know, you don't use the word a lot. You don't think about that particular word a lot. But let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you what I know. Contented people are joyfully generous people. Contented people are joyfully I've never known of a contented, stingy person. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and if you know somebody, let me know who that is. I would love to meet them. But contented people are, are, are joyfully generous people. And, and there's three things that a, that a contented person knows. Number one, a contented, a generous person knows that God is the owner of all things. God is the owner of all things. God, God doesn't need your money. Will you please understand that? God doesn't need your handout. He doesn't need your money. He isn't your poor uncle begging for a handout. God created everything. Now this is where some of us fall off the rails with the stewardship piece because if God didn't make everything, then he doesn't have a right to say, I, I've created what you have. But God created everything. God created all things. And saying that God owns all things means that he first created all things. He made you everything you own. A generous person is a person who understands and acknowledges that, that all things are God's. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. God says, everything, I want it all. All the precious metals, all the precious materials, all the, the people, all the factories, all the hills, the, the cattle on a thousand hill, the psalmist says. And we owe God, listen, God owes us nothing. We owe God everything. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and everything you own, which is the Lord's. We own nothing. It all belongs to him. A couple of weeks ago, everything belongs. And this is relief sometimes. Because if you, if you have a home, you have a you know, place where you live that you kind of have to keep up and take responsibility for, it is quite a relief. And I've said this before, but this week I actually did this. And I tried it, and it, and it worked. This week my garbage disposal broke down. Now, I know it doesn't sound very spiritual to think about the fact that God owns your garbage disposal, but he does. 
my garbage disposal broke. And I could have, stre- and I, in fact, I started out stressing. I thought, what am I going to do? Oh, I got to do this and this. And I thought, okay, I better start practicing what I preach. So I said, God, you have a problem. <laughs> Your garbage disposal isn't working. And can I tell you something now? This is a little convoluted. I'm not going to get into the whole story. I, I never touched that garbage disposal. And it got fixed. It got taken care of. Because it's God's. Oh, Lord, my car's broken down. No, it isn't. You don't have a car. Lord, your car broke down. different perspective. God owns everything. Secondly, a a generous, a contented, generous person isn't necessarily a wealthy person. Usually they're not, in fact. But they know that giving doesn't make them poor. Do you understand that? Do you understand that if you give money, and please stop thinking about giving money to the church. Please forgive me if I've ever said anything that implies that you're giving money to the church. You are not giving money. You give to God. Now, you say, well, I didn't see God. I just saw the church. Listen, this, everything, when you give obediently, this transaction is a heavenly transaction that takes place. You're giving to the Lord. And a generous person understands that giving doesn't make them poorer. That's the math that you have to trust. God is not going to let you outgive him. I promise you that. He's not going to let you outgive him. Our math says, well, if I give $100 to the church, I'm $100 poorer. God says, no, you prove me in this. You do what I tell you to do with the money that I have asked you to do this with and see if I'm not going to open up the, the gates of heaven, the windows of heaven, and pour out blessing on you that you can't keep up with. Number three, a generous person, contented person, is a blessed person. A generous person is able to give, but in giving, they find not poverty, but contentment. They don't give themselves into the poorhouse. They give themselves into contentment. How much should I give? Pastor, how much do you think I should give? You should give until you feel content. How about that? You should give until you feel content. Well, I'm not contented. You're not giving enough. And you expect a pastor to say that. I'm trying to get you contented. I'm not trying to break you. I'm not trying to enrich this church. We're We're good. I'm trying to help you find what you're looking for, which is contentment. Now, this is what I'm saying this morning is 180 degrees out of sync with the world's view of money. People think, well, I'll, I'd be content. Now, I want you to think, really, seriously, think about this personally for yourself. I would be content too if I had what? Fill in the blank. I would be content if I had a better home. I would be content if I had a newer car. I would be content if I had more money in the bank. I would be content if, what what goes in that blank for you? So a little test. You say, well, I need more money. Okay, how much? How much money will make you content? 
I mean, get real with yourself, folks. Put a number down. Well, if I had this much money, I would be content. What is the figure? What is it? How much money? How, how big a house? Well, I need a, I need a, I need a new house. I need a bigger house. Okay, how big? I need a newer car. What, a 23? And then what's going to happen in, in about six months? 24's come out. Now you've got an old car. This world and the material things it offers are designed to keep you in a, on a hamster wheel of discontentment. Everything in this world is designed to make you continually discontent until you find your contentment in the Lord. You always want more. Always need more. How much? And money, how you handle it, how we handle it, it's always a test. It's always a test. It may be a test. You may be getting tested right now because you don't have enough money. You're discontented because you don't have enough money. So the test for you is the test of not having enough. But often, the test is for those of you who have too much. You have an abundance. You have plenty. What are you going to do with it? See, this is the deal. So what is the test? What's the test question? What is it? It's a test that asks you one question. What are you really living for? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm living for Jesus. Are you? What are you really living for? You don't have enough money? What are you living for? I need to get more. Got too much money? What are you doing with it? Hoarding it? Hanging on to it? Keeping it? Listen, Jesus said you can't serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Some of us have literally, believe me, I know, some of us have literally sold our lives. We have sold our families. We have sold our souls to make money because we believed it would make us content. But friend, listen, when you're living for, for that, when that is your goal, that's your, achieve, that's your process, that's your plan, the proverb says the one who has, the, for the one who loves money, there's never money enough. I wonder how true that is. Ultimately, that's idolatry. And do you know why you spend your life pursuing money, right? Again, let's, let's remind ourselves. Why are you pursuing money? Well, I want to be content. I want to be content. So you can do what? What does contentment mean? Well, it means I don't have to worry about money anymore. Well, let's talk to the people that have money. Are they content? Do you know people who have a lot of money that are just like really contented, chill, 
cool people, but oh, I don't worry. I haven't met that person. There's not enough money on this planet to do that, literally. Now, if, if you are one of the world's billionaires, one of the world's trillionaires, there's more of them than we've ever had now, uh, they're all looking for something more. Elon Musk, let me give you just him, you know, has already decided this world does not hold what he needs to make him content. So what's he doing? He's looking for another planet. He's built a rocket ship. He's going to another planet. And for the right amount of money, guess what, gang? You can go with him. You can go with him. That's what we're trying to do. We're exploring so we can find another planet to live on. And ultimately, you know why? Because this one doesn't make us content. When you get to the top of the heap and you have everything that you can have and own everything that you can own and you're still discontented, well, it must be on another planet. Well, he's kind of right. It's, on, it's in another place besides this earth. He's not going to get that far. What does it take? I'm just asking you a really real question. And, and, and okay, well, you're working. Okay, you're working hard. Maybe you're even winning. You know, uh, <laughs> but we're on the wrong track. What if, we're, what if we're running really hard? What if we're winning really well, but we're on the wrong track? You know, you're in the rat race, but when you win in the rat race, what happens? You're still a rat. That doesn't fix anything. What are you pursuing? What are you using the energy of your life to pursue that's worth pursuing. And if the answer is money, I promise you, you're in the wrong race. You're running on the wrong track. So let's talk about contentment for just a moment. Let me, let me just talk about the pathway to contentment, how we get there. The irony is the only, our only way to think about contentment Again, it's, it's counterintuitive to the Bible. The way we think about being content is counterintuitive to what the Bible says about how to be content. We, we, need, we think we have to have more things, newer things, larger things, richer things, wealthy. We have to have more money, more stuff in our drawers, more stuff in our closets, more stuff in our storage sheds, more stuff in our rental garages, because more stuff means what? Well, surely... One day I'll have enough stuff and I'll be content, will you? I think one of the best businesses you can invest in right now are rental storage units. So you can pay rent to go visit the stuff that you really don't want. Is that, is that success? Oh, I've got my stuff in a storage unit. Oh, I have two storage units. <laughs> What's in there? Don't really know. But I have two of them. And 
Is that success? How's that working for you? Your grandmother visited her granddaughter's brand new home one time. She was showing her the kitchen and all the shiny new gadgets. And, and then the grandma got a little philosophical. Grandmas do that sometimes. And she said, so which one of these things in here is the most important item? I mean, all these things, you got all these fancy things. Which one's the most, I mean, which one could you not do without? And so the, the granddaughter thought for a moment, and then she looked, she said, I don't know, I guess my microwave. I, I couldn't cook without a microwave. I have to have that. What about you, Grandma? What's the most important item in your kitchen? Grandma said, I don't have to think too hard about that. It's running water. When did you stop appreciating having running water in your house? When's the last time you say, God, thank you. I don't have to go to a creek and get a bucket or a well and draw water. Turn on the faucet. What would you do if I told you today that every one of us already has everything we need to be content? You've already got it. You don't have to look for it. You've got it. What if I told you today, you've got everything you need to be content. I mean, Paul, who in Philippians said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. He wrote that on prison stationery. He's in jail. He said, I'm content. Wow, what? And then later in 1 Timothy 6, verses 7 and 8, he said, For we brought nothing into the world. We can't take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with that, we will be content. Will you grab that for just a moment? If we have food and clothing with that, we'll be content. Well, we need food, but, but do we take that for granted? Come on, when's the last time you really seriously sat down at a meal, at a table? I know some of you do, and I, I've seen, you know, you get up in public, you bow your heads, you thank you, Lord. When was the last time when you said grace, you were really thankful that you had food in front of you? Really thankful. You know, the average city has a seven-day food supply. We have to have trucks bringing food in all the time. We have to have trains and trucks and plane, you know, whatever, bringing it in. Average city, seven-day food supply. An electromagnetic pulse could land. An enemy could send that in, shut down internet, shut down electricity, shut down refrigeration, shut down everything else. And in seven days, we're out of food. And no way to get it. Now, think about that when you eat lunch today. What would happen? If you couldn't get food, hardly. Are we, do, we, do we have food? Well, Paul said, be content. If you got food, that's good. I mean, I think we'd all agree we like food. It's just not two minutes ago, not the top of the list of the things that I worried about getting, but now that you put it that way, yeah, I'm really happy I get food. I get to eat today. I get a meal today. And clothing, well, it seems to be plenty. You know, some of us need to Marie Kondo our closets again. You know you're not going to wear that stuff anyway, right? You know you're not. Well, I'm going to get back to that size. No, you're not. <laughs> Come on, it's, we're well into January now. Let's be realistic. Give up, the, give up the resolution. 
give the clothes away. You're not going to get back into them. They're gone. All right, just move, put it in your storage shed, take it to U-Haul, you know, so. But in some places around the world today, people have one set of clothes. Their Sunday clothes, their Monday clothes, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday clothes. Same set of clothes. Thankful to have it. Thankful to have it. And we're all anxious about fashion. Well, some of us are. You know, world sure is. That's, but this is a first world problem. Again, this is not a problem that the farmers in Ethiopia worry about. Oh, I have a set of clothes. I'm fine. Listen, Paul said this. It's godliness to say, Lord, if I have food and clothing, I will be content. You know what that says? That says I'm getting it. I'm getting that the source of my contentment is not in accumulating stuff. I've got food. I've got clothing. Hey, you get a bonus. You've got running water in your kitchen. Why aren't you content? Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. What are we missing? Maybe we're pursuing stuff more than we're pursuing God. So I ask, it, I ask you again, let me get done. Why is our pursuit to have, to hold, to own, to rule, to hoard, why is it not working? We should be the most contented culture on earth. And we are the unhappiest and the most anxious. And we have the most of everything. Guys, we're on the wrong track. We're on the wrong track. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Could you say, see, here's godliness. Could you say, Lord, if you will give me food and clothing, I will pledge to you my contentment. I will trust you with my contentment. If I give up everything, if I lost everything, if I went home today and I lost everything, my money's gone, my clothes are gone, my house is gone, my car, everything's gone. But I've got food to eat, I've got clothing to wear so I can get out around people. I'll be content with that. I will pledge to you, I will work toward my contentment being based in you, not in the things that I have. That's a really hard thing for a materialistic culture to say. But I just wonder, <laughs> I just wonder if the world saw this many people, let's just, let's just isolate this. this, you know, we'll have this many people again in another hour, this many people, right here, right here, if this many people could really be living out what it means to be content. 
we'd need four buildings next week to fill it up, to, to get everybody in. Because they're going to come running going, how do you do that? What, do you, what did you do? What did you buy? What's the new thing? Where do I go on Amazon to find it? What do I need to do? I want to have what you have, okay? Stop looking for it in things that you can see. And start looking for it in things that you cannot see that are eternal. And, and let me end with a warning. I'm, I'm going to end today with a warning. It's not a feel-good story. It's a hard and it's a necessary word that is dropped right in the middle of this teaching. Well, you see, all of us are after contentment, whatever our definition of that may be. We all want peace in our hearts, our souls, our homes. Does anybody not want that? I mean, if you don't, I'm not talking to you today. But I think most of us want that. We want peace. We want contentment in our hearts, our homes, our, our lives. I just want contentment. I just want, it to, I want to be at peace. I want to stop searching. I want to stop looking. I just want to be content, okay? We just want to smile at life and enjoy the journey. But it's not working that way for many of us. See, we think we deceive ourselves. The world deceives us. It lies to us. The enemy lies to us and says, if you could just get a little bit more, you'll get to that point. Work a little harder, spend more money, get deeper in debt. And you'll get that contentment. Oh boy, you'll have it. Oh, it'll be wonderful. And we chase it like a carrot on a string, just out of our reach. Oh, just a little bit more. Not just, not just ordinary people. The millionaires, the trillionaires, same thing. Same thing. They're not content. Will you let that teach us a lesson? Because they're light years ahead of you in their financial accumulation, and it's not working. So Paul said, people who want to get rich. All right, listen. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into destruction and ruin. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many griefs. Can I ask you a hard question today? Because some of y'all are going to get mad at me and not come back. So I'm going to ask you today. Is that verse talking about you? Oh, I don't love money. Really? You don't? Have you ever found yourself falling into a trap, a temptation? An effort, listen, what's the temptation? An effort to get more money unethically or illegally. Have you ever done that? That's a temptation. A trap. What's a trap? Let's see, we fall into temptation, into a snare, into a trap. What's a trap? A trap is a debt 
that you can barely pay the interest on. said these things plunge people into ruin and destruction. Do you love money? Do you love it? Do you obsess about it? Do you, you can't make enough of it? Can't let go of it? You know how they trap monkeys in Southeast Asia? <laughs> they, they, they either have a, a hole in a tree or they have this jar tied to a tree and it's got nuts in it or some kind of food or fruit or something that monkeys like. And you know what they do? It's big enough, the opening is big enough, the monkey can actually reach its hand inside the jar and grab what's in there guess what it can't do? Can't get its hand out. And guess what happens? It stands right there, trying in vain to pull its hand out until the trapper comes along and takes it away. And you know what? The monkey had to do all it had to do? Let go of the stuff. his hand would have come right out. Some of y'all, wow, I don't want to call you. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Some of y'all are hanging on, thinking, I got it. Oh, this is the stuff. I got it. Got it in my hand. It's right here. It's wonderful. And you are in a trap, and you don't even know it. don't even know it. Oh, I'm not, a, I'm not in a trap. Have you ever lost sleep over money? Maybe your love of money has cost you your marriage, your kids. Oh, I, don't love to, I don't love money. I just like to gamble a little bit. Cost you your family cost you your sanity because of an addiction that you got into because you're trying to medicate this anxiety about not having money? Have you pierced yourselves through with many griefs in this materialistic insanity? Or do you truly know the joy, the contentment of godliness, knowing and following and trusting Jesus? the crucified and risen Savior who the Bible says allowed himself to be pierced through so you could find what life really means and what contentment really is. Bow your heads with me. Father, I know again these are hard things for us to hear. Your word is very clear, very true, and, and sometimes, if we're honest, it can be brutal. None of us plan to spend our lives agonizing about money, but we have bought lies that have told us that that's all we need. And if you have money, you'll have it beat. This is the way to live life. What a lie. What a lie. And Lord, I pray that you'll open our eyes today. Some of us are just like that little monkey standing at the tree. 
We got our hands on things we don't want to let go of. And it's about to destroy our lives. Some of us, Lord, are on a pursuit of contentment that we, we just can't seem to ever get to the end of the track. And Lord, today I pray that you will help your people, help Fruit Cove Baptist Church, help us to be free from the love of money. Help us to be free from a vain pursuit that is not working. And help us, Lord, to find contentment, but qualifying that, godliness with contentment, which is the greatest gain of all. If there are those here today, Father, listening on the radio, listening online, or building A, or over here in this room, we don't know Jesus, the crucified Savior, who though he was rich, became poor for our sakes, that we through his poverty, through his sacrifice, might become rich. Draw us to his feet today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together and you come as God leads you. There's a decision that you need to make, a prayer that you need, commitment to make. Come now.